This episode of Road Dirt, the podcast is brought to you by Moto America, the North American road racing series. Moto America is the fastest motorcycle racing in North America, featuring 190 miles an hour plus super bikes on America's greatest road racing courses. Moto America events feature multiple classes of road racing over a whole weekend, including super bikes, super sports, stock 1000, twins cup, Junior Cup, Mini Cup, King of the Baggers, Heritage Cup, you name it. It is a full weekend for the whole family. Outdoor festivals, VIP packages, camping, kids zones, carnival games, stunt shows, vendors areas, you name it, Moto America for a whole weekend has it. You can find them at MotoAmerica.com. You can find uh, upcoming races maybe near you for this whole season. Uh, as of this recording... Uh, in a couple of weekends, not this weekend, but on June thir- uh, 11th through the 13th, they're going to be at the famous Road America Race Course up in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And several of us with with uh, Road Dirt are actually going to be live there. So uh, you can actually get tickets at MotoAmerica.com forward slash tickets, or you can tune in not only with Mav TV uh, with their own Live Plus on their site. I think Fox Sports Two and a couple others. Um, carry you. You can go on their website and see um, not only the schedule of races, but also which networks uh, and which services actually um, will be hosting the races this season. MotoAmerica.com. We appreciate their partnership and their sponsorship of this episode of Road Dirt TV. This one is called Lawrence of Arabia and the Motorcycle Helmet. I recently came across a story um, about T.E. Lawrence, you know, just the iconic British commander and, um, you know, in the First World War um, in the uh, Arabian theater, in the Palestinian theater over there, um, Sinai Peninsula campaigns against the Axis powers, and then after the war, and uh, an avid motorcyclist, big fan of of Bruff Superior motorcycles. Um, What I didn't know was what I read in this particular story that was several years old about how uh, his life and his death impacted the development of the motorcycle helmet. And um, I'd like to read that to you. This is Lawrence of Arabia and the Motorcycle Helmet. How one man's tragic accident would help save countless lives after him. I recently ran across the fascinating story of a legendary hero whose tragic death paved the way for the development of the motorcycle helmet. Being a bit of a history buff myself, I just had to share this bit of motorcycling trivia that led to the not-so-trivial safety gear that we all who ride, hopefully, uh, utilize every time we throw a leg over and throttle out on two wheels. Now, as a teenager, I remember watching Peter O'Toole in that legendary movie, Lawrence of Arabia, 1962, about famed British Colonel Thomas Edward Lawrence. It was a grand, sweeping epic of a movie, and it turns out really quite captured the life and times of the man behind the myth. Lawrence himself was an archaeologist, a writer, a diplomat, and a military officer in the First World War. Most notably, Lawrence became renowned for his leadership in what became known as the Arab Revolt, as well as the Sinai and Palestine campaigns against the Turkish Ottoman Empire, who were actually part of the Axis powers, the Central Powers as they were called in the First World War, an often forgotten theater in the Great War from 1915 until 1918. 
Lawrence's wartime activities and his feats of bravery, coupled with his vivid writing style about the campaigns, garnered him international acclaim, as well as the title Lawrence of Arabia, and that's what he would be forever known for. Now, following the war, Lawrence returned to England and joined the British Foreign Service until about 1922, when he enlisted and served as an enlisted man in the Royal Enfield. I mean, in the Royal Air Force, <laughs> uh, including a brief stint with the British Army. He published several works during that time, including an autobiographical book called Seven Pillars of Wisdom, which detailed his efforts and participation in the Arab Revolt and in those campaigns, as well as corresponding extensively during that period in his life. Lawrence left military service in 1935, and he settled into private life. He was an avid motorcyclist, owning a number of, I think a total of eight, Bruff Superior motorbikes during those times. At 46 years old, Lawrence was enjoying a bit of a quote-unquote retirement of sorts, living in a humble cottage in Dorset, England, corresponding with fans from across the world and riding his assortment of motorbikes. On May 13, 1935, just two months after being discharged from military service, Lawrence hopped on his Bruff Superior SS-100, itself a gift from playwright George Bernard Shaw, and lit out for the Bovington Camp military base uh, to send a telegram. On his return trip, Lawrence suddenly came across two boys that were bicycling. Due to a dip in the road right at that point, he was unable to see them for a moment, and in a desperate swerve to try to avoid hitting the boys, Lawrence lost control of the bike and ended up flying headfirst over the handlebars. As he was rushed as soon as possible to the military hospital back there at Bovington Camp, where he remained in a coma until his death six days later on May 19th due to severe head trauma as well as other injuries. Lawrence's death made international headlines. Mourners the world over flooded his family and his estate with sympathies and he was buried in a family plot at St. Nicholas Church in nearby Morton. Among the attendees was E.M. Forster, Lady Astor, and Sir Winston Churchill himself. While in the care of the Bovington Camp Hospital, one of Lawrence's attending physicians was noted um, English neurosurgeon, Dr. Hugh Cairns, who desperately tried to save the legend. At the time of his accident, Lawrence had not been wearing a motorcycle helmet, as at that time only motorcycle racers were required to wear them in England. Cairns concluded that had Lawrence been wearing a safety helmet himself, his chances of survival would have dramatically improved. Cairns began a long study of motorcycle deaths then due to head trauma among military and civilian motorbike riders in England and founded the Nuffield Department of Surgery at the University of Oxford, Oxford devoted to the study of mortality and brain injuries suffered in motorcycle accidents. During the Second World War, Cairns published a shocking report on the Brit in the British, motor, uh, British Medical Journal in 1941, noting that 2,279 motorcyclists had died in the UK during the first 21 months of the war, which was 21% more than during peacetime. Quote, in a number of cases, the fatal outcome might have been avoided if adequate protection for the head had been worn, he wrote, end quote. Noting that only seven patients treated by him had worn helmets, and all of them had survived. His report conceded that 
the increase of motorcycle accidents in general during that time was likely due to blackouts across the islands uh, during the war with public lighting switched off against nighttime bombing raids. Vehicles were running with dimmed headlights after dark and so on. Yet his findings also proved out the main cause of deaths among those accidents, the lack of riders wearing helmets. Cairns found out in 149 cases that they analyzed, head trauma was the cause of death among 102 of them. The study and findings attracted much attention, and by November 1941, the British Army made motorcycle helmets mandatory and standard issue among their motorcycle riders in uniform. A couple years later, 1943, Cairns collaborated with Oxford physicist and motorcycle rider A.H. Holborn in another study published in the British Medical Journal. The two had calculated the forces exerted on the brain in an accident, explaining that the direct impact of the skull in a crash was exacerbated by the blow of the brain against the walls of the skull as well. Crash one and crash two, or crash first collision and second collision, as they've often been called. They had constructed a model of the human brain from gelatin and formaldehyde to test the effects of head injury in crashes. Helmets of this time period were built from either vulcanized rubber or compressed wood pulp in the protection layer between a hard outer shell and an internal support liner. Cairns and Holborn studied 106 cases of injured motorcyclists wearing helmets in order to examine which model was the safest of the two commonly used during that time period. Interestingly enough, their conclusion showed, quote, as regards prevention of fractures to the skull, the pulp helmet is about four times as good as the vulcanized, end quote. Dr. Cairns passed away in 1952 from cancer, and he never saw motorcycle helmet use become law in the United Kingdom. His work continued, however, and by 1973, the United Kingdom instituted their first sweeping helmet laws for motorcycle riders out on the roads. Cairns' studies and others would result in wider helmet use and helmet laws in the United States and other countries around the world as well. Today, helmet technology keeps advancing with the use of carbon fiber, Kevlar, and other tough composites for uh, protective shells and expanded polystrene for interiors, which are now being joined by other materials such as EVA, EPP, and D3O. The motorcycle helmet is the single most important element of motorcycle riding gear today, due in no small part to two individuals who sadly never had the opportunity to exchange a single word with each other in a British military hospital in 1935. Well, if you click into RoadDirt.tv, you can actually find this article. We've included pictures of, um, of Lawrence of Arabia, T.E. Lawrence as a colonel, um, and in um, his Lawrence of Arabia garb getup when he actually served in the, in the Arabian campaign, uh, pictures of him with his uh, Bruff Superior uh, motorcycles, as, uh, as well as a portrait that was taken of um, Dr. neurosurgeon Dr. Hugh Cairns. So you can see the photos and everything in there as well. So uh, hope you'll go check out the article, Road Dirt TV, and then look for and click into the article, Lawrence of Arabia and the Motorcycle Helmet. So you can see some of the, some of the photos from the time period that we are able to include there. Well, also hope you'll also check us out on uh, social media. We're on um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can just find us at Road Dirt TV. 
We have a YouTube channel as well, also known as Road Dirt TV, which um, we've been actually compiling a whole set of great uh, bike evaluations, motorcycle and gear evaluations, upcoming uh, ride uh, um, event reviews and things like that. So it's going to be a good year um, here, with, here at Road Dirt. We're excited to already be into the month of June and a lot of great things are happening. Hope you continue to follow us there. Give us a look, give us a like, share some comments, some questions with us. We'd love to dialogue with you. Oh, by the way, we also have a Spotify music playlist. It's called Road Dirt Classics. I want to say it's up to about 25 hours worth of music that we like to listen to when we ride, as well as some contributions and suggestions by many of you, our readers and listeners, and we appreciate that. So go check that out as well. Well, until next time, this is Rob with Road Dirt. Ride life.